Ephesians 6.10, it says this, Finally, my brethren, and so who's he writing to here? To Christians. He's writing to people who are believers in Jesus. He's not writing to lost people, people who don't know the Lord. But there is insight that a lost person could get right here. They could understand things and why things happen like they do and, and things like that. But what he's trying to do is help the Christian to live successful and to be victorious in this life and to really fulfill God's purpose and live in such a way that you're connected in the spirit and in the natural, not just in the natural. Because in all reality, a lot of people live their life like the only thing that is real is their job, their family, getting their paycheck, doing their thing, living their life, getting their retirement set, getting their kids to the right college, and life is way bigger than that. Jesus even said that. And it's way bigger than just you having pleasure and living, you know, in an air-conditioned house. I'm, I'm all for that. But it's bigger than that. And so he said, finally, my brethren. When we read this, you know, before, we looked at a, a translation that talks about in conclusion, after writing all the stuff he's written, he's like, here we go. This is it. We're going to tie it up. We're going to look at this. And so he said, finally, my brethren. He said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. How many of you know that God's power and might is not natural. It's actually spiritual. But it's so real that it affects the natural. And then it goes on to say, put on the whole armor of God. This can't be natural armor, because then we would be selling it somewhere. Helmets, swords, breastplate, you know, the belt, certain kind of shoes. These are all spiritual attitudes. So he said, put on the whole armor of God, or you could say these spiritual attitudes, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That's interesting, because how many people have ever seen the devil in their life? There are people who have had experiences and seen things, but it's probably few and far between. But, People do experience the devil. You know, they, they want to do one thing and they feel this push and this pressure to go a different way. Something trying to hold them in wrong. And so he said, we don't wrestle here with just natural. But he said in the very next verse, he said, but put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand or withstand the wiles or the tricks of the enemy. And I will say this, and not that I'm going to touch on this today, the power of suggestion is the greatest tool the enemy has. The power of suggestion. It's how he worked in the beginning in the garden when he found his way in, was the power of suggestion. Subtle thoughts coming to people as if, hey, I thought that up myself. You know, haven't people in life had just crazy things come to them? You know, they go stand by a cliff, and the thought just subtly comes into their mind. You should just jump. Anybody ever had something like that happen? Nobody wants to admit it. They're like, well, 
No. Well, could have. And you're like, where did that thought come from? Or something just stupid, just crazy. And you're like, that, that's not me. Because he works on the power of suggestion. And what happens is people who don't know better go, I'm suicidal. Start entertaining stuff instead of resisting it. Then they live depressed like that. And they don't realize that right here he said, these are the wiles of the tricks of the enemy. Another place, Paul writing, said he through his subtlety. So if you're waiting for the devil to come with a pitchfork, you're totally already in trouble. You know, in a red suit. Because he'll, you know, the only one who's coming in a red suit is Santa. The devil does not come like that. Satan and Santa rearrange the words, spell the same thing. Huh. Somebody's like, I'm going to write that down and see. Sure enough, it does. But there is no connection. But the devil isn't coming in a red suit. And uh, somebody said, well, I don't believe in the devil. Well, right there, then you've already listened to him. Because then you wouldn't want to resist him because he doesn't even exist. But we know he does. People know because there are people who want to do something right with God and there's something pulling on them and pushing on them. But notice this. He said, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You could say this just physically or out in this natural area. He said, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts and wicked of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. You know what that means? You can win. You can overcome. And so we're going to talk about some things here today that, like I said, I believe will revolutionize people in their spiritual life. Because we need to recognize, though we are spiritual beings... And we live in a natural world. We are spiritual beings. And I will say this. What we need to know is all this armor is spiritual because we are engaged in a spiritual thing. And all the change that people really want or real good change is spiritual change. And uh, somebody said, well, I, want, I need more than spiritual change. Well, let me explain this. This world was made by unseen things. So unseen affects the natural. You with me? There are powers that are not seen. And there is a greater power than the evil power, and it's God. And thank God, then God chose to live inside believers so they could overcome and the first one he lived in in the earth was when Jesus emptied himself and then got filled with the power of God. He didn't function as God, though he was God in the flesh. Once he got filled with God, he went into the temple, didn't say a word. And there all of a sudden were evil forces driving men to do things that maybe the rest of the people didn't even know. And Jesus would start preaching and a devil would cry out out of somebody. And go, have you come to torment us before the time? How could that be? Because there is a spiritual realm. And the spiritual realm is real. And, but it 
pushes over into the natural. It tries to influence people. That's why God is looking to possess you. What does that mean? Well, when the devil possesses somebody, that means they have complete control. God wants to control your life, but the only way he controls it is he doesn't come in and put you in the headlock and drag you around. You have to yield yourself to him. This is why the enemy pushes people not to serve God, because then when they serve God, he starts being able to do stuff in this life through people who yield to him. And so we need to understand we affect the natural by spiritual. In the spirit realm, things exercised, things released, then affect the natural. And we need to know that because that's huge. Because so many people want natural change in their life, but they don't realize they're not going to get it by natural only. It's going to come through spiritual. Understand that all the miracles in the Bible that Jesus did and before Jesus was here and after were all spiritual in nature. I said they were, they by nature were spiritual. Here's where we've made mistakes. The church has tried to operate in the natural so much to please people, to do certain things instead of helping people to live in the spiritual. We've gotten to the place where we think it's all natural that happens. So we teach people, get baptized and you'll be saved. That's a natural activity. That doesn't save you. Actually, that activity is an advertisement and an action of your faith to tell people, when I go into the water, it's like me when going down with Christ, I'm identifying when he was buried. When he rose from the dead, I'm just telling by my actions. I raised up with him. And when he rose to newness of life, I've risen to newness of life. But all that is and is, is to be a natural expression of something that happened before in the Spirit. And then I'm just advertising to the world, this is what happened to me. I'm showing you by my physical actions, I've identified with Christ. And how does that happen? It's a spiritual thing by nature. You call on the name of the Lord, you surrender your life to Him, and you give your life to Him. And the Bible said your spirit becomes new. That what he did when he died and rose again becomes yours. Then that water baptism is a natural expression. In other words, you can't just make change by doing things from a soul natural thing. It has to be in the spirit. And that's what he's trying to teach. Is that there is a way to bring about change, but it's going to start in the unseen. Think of this, healing in the Bible, prosperity in the Bible, deliverance in the Bible, and all of these things were not done in the natural, physical realm. They were actually done in the spirit realm, played out and appeared in the natural. Let me say that again. When a person got delivered from a demon, that happened in the spirit realm. Jesus or he told his disciples, 
command in my name, and those unseen forces will flee from you and go. When those things are no longer there and are moved, then where were they moved? In the unseen, in the spirit realm. But then there's no unseen pressure, so that person can be normal, act out their life in a way that's pleasing to God, and be at peace and at rest. You can read the stories all through the Bible when people were delivered. So what I'm really going to talk about today is understanding what you need and what we need is to understand how to operate in the spirit realm because it's not just, we don't just need things physically. People say, well, I'm addicted to drugs. You need an internal change. People said, I'm bound by bitterness, so I always act out in anger and rage. You need an internal change. You need a spiritual change. Not just something physical to modify. You need something spiritual because the spiritual will affect the natural. And so all those things, I mean, think of it. Science would have been able to figure out how to multiply loaves and fish. Jesus did it by blessing it spiritually. That spiritual influence affected the loaves and fish, and they just started breaking them, and in the natural, they just were able to feed all the people. That doesn't happen without an unseen thing taking course. We, by nature, know that unseen affects the natural even if we don't know how to connect with it, because people, when they get into trouble, go, God, help me. They know it's unseen. They know it will affect the scene, but it starts there. People know that. Inherently, man knows that. Even when they want to live their own life and they get so busy, when they get squeezed to the core, they call out, God, help. Because they know deep down that what they need changed in their life is not going to happen solely by the natural. That's why we're taught to live by faith because words are the things that change things, spiritual words. And so many times people think the things that happened and that they need to happen are just solely natural. And the problem with that is, is what happens is, is that people then fail to get results because they don't approach it right. Because they see a problem in their life and they're like, I need this change, I need this change, I need this change, I need this change. And they look totally in the natural and they fail on the principles of God. Jesus writing, you know, influencing a writer in, in the book of Revelation said, I have the keys of the unseen realm, how it works in the unseen realm. Hey, if there was no spiritual blindness, everybody would flock to God. You with me? Everybody would run to God. Or it would just be their will to say no. But it wouldn't be some blindness that holds them. But what we need to understand is Jesus said... I have the keys or the way the unseen works. And people need to understand we're actually spiritual beings and if we really want change, you've got to have it spiritually and then it will show up naturally. And what happens is people get so focused in on their problems and on all the natural things, I need money. Well, I need health. I need change in my relationships. I need 
peace with God. I need all this. And they look at the natural and they miss it. Because 2 Corinthians 4.16 gives us a clue. He said, while we do not look at the things that are seen or all the natural realm. And sometimes people talk about people so naturally and don't realize they're really influenced by unseen forces and things are happening and they're a result of stuff. But literally, he said, while we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are unseen. For the unseen things are eternal, but the things that are seen are subject to change. But he told us if we don't look at it right, then the things that are subject to change, we're going to miss it. They are subject to change. What? The seen. But how? Only when you go into the Spirit and look and get your focus there. I mean, in all reality, that's why temptation comes to people, believers, to get them to walk in the natural, because the more in the natural you are, by following after the compulsions of your flesh and doing just what you want to do instead of what God would like you to do, you become more conscious of just the natural. What's personally fulfilling to me? It drives you away from a selfless life that serves God and would cause you to live solely in the natural. And when you live there, you live apart from God's peace. You live apart from God's life. You live away from spiritual things, but you're still under the influence of spiritual things. And that's why God will draw his people and ask for obedience from his people. Because he wants you to be conscious more of the spirit realm. Here's the thing. Christ without commitment is a deluded life. A deluded spiritual life. James said it this way, if you don't do the things you know that he says to do, you're self-deluded. In other words, what would it mean to be deluded? You don't get the full taste, you don't get the full impart. Could people live this life and get so deluded that they become so naturally minded they don't really recognize spiritual things to a degree, just maybe occasionally, they're not really acutely aware of just really what is going on everywhere around them and that there is a God. Then they come to church and they start sensing God because there's an atmosphere there, but that atmosphere does not have to be separated from them. And so there is a spiritual realm, and the change that people so desire comes there and comes in that side and then influences things here. And so he said, while we do not fix our attention on the things that are seen, they're subject to change. Jesus proved, the disciples proved, the Bible proves that all kinds of things can change from a spiritual force and an unseen force. Storms can be stopped. Peace can come into people's hearts and mind. Miracles can happen. Dark forces that influence people can be abated and pushed back by a believer submitting to God. James 4 said, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. That's an unseen force. That's why I was saying we need to understand that we operate out of the spirit realm, then the influences come in the natural, not trying to fix the natural by natural means. You with me? That's why we don't even fight with people who don't believe like us. We just work to get them saved. 
You with me? I mean, you can dispute with them and do things like that. But here's what we need to understand. Unbridled actions, just living any way I want to in my physical life, will lead me more into the natural realm without discipline to Christ, without commitment to Christ, without following and obeying Him, I will come to the place where I will become numb to Him. My sense of Him will get less and less, but that doesn't mean He is not there. does not mean the whole world will not appear before Him. It just means people are becoming more conscious. And what happens when you're so in the natural you start looking to the natural to solve your problems. Now, there are natural things we do in this life. Don't get me wrong. But there are spiritual things that work. I mean, think about it. God showed us how he made this world by words. And he said, it will exist until the day I return. And then it will be changed. He declared it. It happened. Declared how it's going to work. And it happened. Unseen things shape the very scene. And so we need to know that. People have overcome this natural life at times. Remember, while we do not focus on the things that are seen, the natural, our main focus as believers needs to be first, like we said the other day, girding yourself with truth. What truth? Jesus said, my word is truth with the truths from the Bible. These are the things that will help you to navigate the spiritual realm, to walk with God, to live successfully, to help others come into the place with God that they need to be through Jesus. And we see time and again there were people who started to overcome by not focusing on the natural, but obeying the Lord and keeping their fix, their gaze fixed on the unseen. Remember Peter? Used to be, you don't see these bumper stickers, or I haven't in a long time, but there used to be bumper stickers that say, if you feel like you're perfect, try walking on water. <clears throat> well, that, I'm glad they're actually gone, because that's false. But the fact of the matter is, Peter wasn't perfect and was walking on the water. Was he doing it naturally? No, it was a spiritual thing affecting the natural. He had a spiritual word. God said, come, uh, you know, through Christ. And, and so he started acting. And it says, while we look not at the things which are seen, and while he was not looking at the things that were seen, but his, fix, his gaze was fixed on the Lord, he was conquering the natural. He was overcoming it was becoming subject to him until he got his focus on the wind and the waves, the things that change, the things that are not eternal. And it said then his own heart got filled with fear. And then he began to sink. And then Jesus clapped and said, you did so good. No, he didn't do that. He rebuked him. He didn't rebuke the guys who didn't get out of the boat. He rebuked the dude that got out of the boat. Why? Because he was mastering the storm. He was mastering the natural. 
He was doing it while he had God's Word and he was fixed on God and His Word, but he no longer mastered and overcame when his focus got on the wrong thing. And it said then his heart filled with fear. Anytime our heart is not filled with the Word, fear will try to get in. When spiritual initiative in the believer becomes very low, and there's not a drive to pray and not a drive to live for God, you know they haven't been eating of the Word of God because it by itself puts a spiritual confidence in them. And then they'll say things like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can you see Him strengthening you? No, but what happens is now we're focused and starting to tap into the unseen realm and we're beginning to operate in this natural by spiritual forces that are from God. And then we're experiencing strength. But initiative dissolves when people stop feeding and stop eating. Well, what's the cure? Get back. Obey. And then confidence will come. Confidence in spiritual things diminishes when we don't feed on the Word properly. That's the only cure. There's no other way. You can't pray and say, oh God, I need it. You have to go eat, and it'll give you the strength, and you'll find, man, I've got this confidence, I can do this. What it'll do is it'll drive you to pray and have a prayer life. Well, what would that do? When you have that confidence when you go to pray, the Bible said if you ask believing, God will do it. You get that confidence through His Word. Then you pray, and it seems like you're doing a natural thing, but you're talking to God in the spirit realm. And when he begins to work, he works in that unseen realm. And what you pray through that confidence, right? He said, believing you would receive. Then all of a sudden, things start changing, things start working, and you go, wow, I just have good fortune and good luck. No. Unseen forces going to work and begin to work things and change things. That's why we need to learn to trust and operate more from the unseen than the seen. It's important. And so Peter started out triumphing over circumstances in the natural realm. He could have changed his attention right back and really got focused and come right back up and out and started mastering the natural again. Peter didn't walk on the water because he was perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Peter walked on the water because he had God's Word, and he confidently acted on it and had his focus there. When he got away from looking at God's Word and started looking at the natural, he started going down. Well, that's not good. Right? And that's why the, the enemy wants people to be unbridled in their actions. Because when you get so caught up in the natural things of life, you don't recognize spiritual things to the degree. I said to the degree you could and should. God has got so much peace and so much eternal life for people to walk in, but they won't get it by living in the natural. You with me? And so many people get upset with other people. They're wrecking my peace. They're, if everybody would shut up, I could finally get some peace. No, your peace is not determined by the outward. They said that and it hurt me. 
People can't just hurt you by saying things. You have to be vulnerable through wrong thinking. You with me? Man, think of Jesus. They called him a drunk. They said he was demon-possessed. They said he was a liar. They said all kinds of things about him. He, need, he, he, in today's society, would for sure have had to have at least eight hours of counseling for that. <laughs> totally. I mean, he would be at the clinic often. I can't go minister down there today because, you know, I've just been really offended and stuff like that. Jesus taught how to get over offenses. He said, woe to those by who they come, but at the same time, he didn't want them to come through people. But at the same time, he taught people how to overcome them. Because you're going to be in a place where you're going to have marvelous opportunities to get offended. And what it will do, is if you get offended, it will pull you into the natural. And then you'll want to function there. Right? The Bible said, don't return evil for evil. Or wrong words for wrong words. Because then you don't live out God's best. He said, but on the contrary, give blessing. He said, because you've been called to this, that you might inherit a blessing. But what happens is people don't know, so they don't yield correctly. Here's the thing. Any person in here who has given their life to Christ, the Bible said, is a new spiritual creation. Inwardly, spiritually. You're alive to God. But the thing is, why are people all over the road in their Christian walk? Well, one, because people won't just get into the Word of God. And another thing is, is there have been things fed to people that really haven't helped them spiritually, but they kind of made them feel good, so they called it church. And they never really grew. Growing with God makes you come out of the natural and begin to walk more in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit is not being crazy, by the way. You know, you got one eye wandering around over here, and I'm spiritual. No, that, G, people didn't look at Jesus and look, he looked like a psycho. Oh, he's spiritual. No, he looked natural, but he operated in such a way that through spiritual things... That's how he got people healed. I mean, think about it. You can see how people miss things all the time in their prayer life by doing stuff like this. They pray, and the very first thing they do is they go by what they feel. They look. Did it change? Well, we already saw right there. While we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. Because the things that are seen are subject to change. But the unseen is eternal and unchangeable. And so Jesus was able to make change the disciples, and he taught us how to do the same thing. And so we want to be aware of the spiritual because we can have great change. In all reality, when you get saved or anybody gets saved, spiritually inside your spirit gets the life of God. Well, does that mean you automatically are going to be different? Yes and no. I said yes and no. You still have an internal part of you that must be worked on. 
We know Romans 12 said, do not be conformed or shaped to this world. Because, you know, for the most part, most people in the world act out naturally. And they'll encourage you to. I wouldn't let them say that to me if I were you. That's just acting out in the natural. Jesus said it this way. He didn't say, I wouldn't let them say that to me if I were you. You guys, you apostles, you followers of mine, if they say, I wouldn't let them. No, you know what he said to them? Hey, if they slap you on one cheek, turn the other and say, here, whack away on this side. What? See, but that's not natural wisdom. So I don't like that. Where do you want to live? In the natural or in the spiritual? Because in the spiritual, you can have all kinds of influence and change things. You with me? But if you live that way, you come into the natural. Think of what Paul said to the Galatians. He said, he who sows into the natural will just solely reap from the natural. But he who sows into the spiritual stuff will of the Spirit reap. Well, if I'm going to reap from the spiritual, is it just going to be seen physically? No. It will be known spiritually and seen physically. It won't be just spiritual. In other words, oh, I'm just being rewarded by the Lord right now. No, it will have an influence. How many people have tried to change people by being clever and use witty words? Operating solely in the natural. Though we are to train people, we're to help people, we're to give knowledge to people so their minds can be renewed. But Romans 12 said this for the believer, do not be shaped to the way the world functions, but be renewed in the spirit of your mind or be renewed in your mind. It says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you might prove out what is God's good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. What is the importance of renewing the mind? What is the value of it? Well, if your spirit is made brand new in Christ, you're alive in the spirit. You are a child of God. You have rights and privileges before God. But if you do not renew your mind then the Bible basically said you'll function in this life like the rest of the world. And why did we want to give our life to the Lord? Because we didn't like what we were getting in the world. We found out He was the Savior. He could change things. I know for me, I was empty. I was thinking, this ain't it. Well, why get out of that and then think doing it my way is going to be the best way? Really, the renewing of the mind is to get your soulish makeup changed to be in line with the spiritual work He already did in you in Christ. So you can begin to live outside of condemnation. So you can learn to live outside of the influence of things that are unseen that affect people. And then start ruling and reigning like the Bible said. But if I don't ever take the time to renew my mind, I will be doomed for a great part to live out life in the natural. And all the changes that God would like you to have do not come 
through the natural. Wouldn't it be nice to be more conscious of God? More aware of God? More aware of His things? Now, I'm not trying to jump to the end of this teaching, but I'm going to touch on a couple of things here, and then we'll pick them back up later. But we know about putting this whole armor on. We know this is about a spiritual thing, that the unseen is to influence the seen. Hey, a lot of these wars, we know the Bible said at the end of time, there will, one of the signs will be there will be wars and rumors of wars, wars and rumors of wars, 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 plagues, all kinds of things just going to be happening. I mean, you know, I've talked to a couple people recently, you know, because there's the hot news right now is what's happening in, in Syria, right? Big thing. It's crazy. Somebody said, well, it's not crazy. It's like all the other stuff. No, it's crazy. Because Ezekiel 38 tells us that Turkey, uh, Russia, Iran, which is Persia, starts naming all these countries where ISIS is operating now, will be in a last battle at the end of time. Russia now is right there in that country, and all the countries are right there. And go read Isaiah 17.1. It talks about this pronouncement by God that Damascus will be laid waste, and then at some point will become not a city any longer. It's still a city today. And it talks about a great war coming from that region. But then, I mean, and here they're launching chemical stuff and everything. You do certain things and say the Lord comes back in 40 or 50 years or 20 years or however long, you could make a place uninhabitable until he returns. But here's the thing. What people don't understand is these wars are really the result of unseen things. They are. The Bible said that the devil knows that his time is short when the end comes, and he'll go around roaring to devour and he'll up his work knowing that the end. he knows it's short. We should know it too. A lot of these things happen because of unseen things. Some of it happens because believers don't take their place and do the things they should to stop things, and then they occur. You know, people start panicking because the wrong people get into government, and all of a sudden the Christians start praying. And then we get somebody more that's more, not maybe perfectly in line, more in line, and then they're like, whoo, don't stop praying now. You understand what I mean by that? There are things that occur just because we let them. Because we didn't know how to operate in the Spirit as believers. And we'll be accountable before God, but thank God we'll learn and do it. That's why prayer is so important. I mean, think about it. God will lead people internally in the Spirit, in their spirits. They'll know, I need to be, there's something there. God will try to draw people and do things. They'll respond, and then all of a sudden it turns into a church. How'd that happen? People getting drawn inwardly by God. People inviting people and the Lord dealing with them and then them coming. And then they get here and they're like, oh, this is like home. There's something I know is right here. I'm staying. 
and all of a sudden the unseen starts manifesting in the scene. Then we learn to pray. Then we learn to use our authority. And then we start having effect in the spirit realm and its reach becomes even further. You with me? That big tidal wave or tsunami you know, that hit in Japan and killed so many people, it occurred underground where nobody could see. The effect came in the water and then pushed through. Things that are unseen have effect, and spiritual things for sure do. So he tells us to put on the full armor, and then we're going to go down uh, in, in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, and we're going to look at this right before we, we, before we close. See, the Bible is trying to help us navigate this life successfully. You don't, we, you don't, I don't have to be run over by life. Don't think everything that comes to you is God. That is a falseness. That is a doctrine of the devil. And it's been preached in the church. Everything that happens to you is God. Everything that happens to you is God. That is not how Jesus taught. There was a time a person was crippled. And the religious people were all upset. Is he going to heal on the Sabbath? And he said, is it right to do good or to do bad? You, you tell me on the Sabbath day. He got up in their grill, as they would say. And then he said, shouldn't this woman, being a daughter of Abraham whom Satan is bound, all these years be loosed from her infirmity? He, did, he said there was unseen forces at work. You with me? There are unseen things. He didn't say, oh, this is the will of God. Yeah, everything's the will of God. No. And what happens when people think everything's the will of God, then they just let it run them over. You know, it's like one of those cartoons when I was little. You know, they get hit and get run over this way. Stand back up, they get hit, they get run over this way. Every time they stand up, they get run over another way. And then they're standing there with tire marks all over their face. You with me? And, but that's what's been taught, that it's everything is, God is in control. Okay, if God is in control, then why, did he control Adam and Eve to do wrong? Does he control you and want you to get drunk? Does he control you and want you to be bitter? If he's in control of everything, he's out of control. And if he's in control of everything, then why does every individual get judged one day and that we all appear before the Lord? Nah, couldn't help it, Lord. You are in control. Next. <laughs> he was in control of everything. No, he said, whosoever will, let him come. He said, it's a choice. You have a will. You know, it's one thing, oh, God's in control. I have a free will. What does that mean if God's in control? You don't have a free will, but you do have a free will. And so these things have been perpetuated. And why would there be things like this teaching us how to stand and be able to overcome temptation and overcome certain things? Let's close up by reading this at the end of all this armor and this stuff of overcoming. And why would he tell you how to succeed? You know, there are verses in the Bible, and we are talking about really the first thing is girding your loins with truth or, truth or a general knowledge of the Word of God, getting, feeding on that. Because Jesus said, man won't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And we've got a book full of the stuff he said. 
And if you like good food and steak and Italian and Mexican, and you go, oh, that's so good, this is better for your spirit. And just like you can be fulfilled like in that stuff, you might already be thinking there right now. Oh, I can't wait till we leave church. Because when I get to eat this, you can eat and it'll be more satisfying than any taco or steak or chicken or whatever. But you've got to get in this, and this is why there's such a fight over the Word of God and will be more and more as the days approach of the Lord's return because it is the enemy's defeat and it is your victory. It is the way to help liberate other people. And so he's the first thing, he said, have a general working or your loins girt about with truth. It will put spiritual initiative in the believer. It will bring confidence to them. So notice this. We'll start in verse 14. Stand therefore, 614, having your waist, uh, girding your waist with truth. Uh, in other words, get it down on the inside of you. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. Every bit of condemnation, every bit of inferiority, every bit of anything he would ever throw at you, you could put it out. Wonder what we would look like in the Spirit some days. Remember in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit fell and it said a divided tongue of fire sat on all of them, you know? They were filled with the Spirit and it was like, oh, that's wonderful. What if people got to see others getting hit with fiery darts and they're like on fire, running around like a man on fire? Because they didn't put it out. That ain't Pentecost. You with me? That's something altogether different. But he said you can put out those things with the shield of faith. But then he goes on to say, and we'll talk about these as we go on, because you know what? Everybody has a right to have all the darts in the enemy stop burning in their life. Everybody does. It's not God's will. Notice this. Above all, verse 16, taking the shield of faith with you, 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 will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying. Because there is a semicolon. Take the Word of God praying. Take the Word of God praying. The sword, notice what it says. He calls the Word of God, the Word of God, the Bible, he calls the sword of the Spirit. Where does change happen? It happens in the Spirit. We're to take the Word like a sword in the Spirit. By praying and saying. Right? Proverbs 18, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You take His Word in the Spirit begin to use His Word, begin to declare His Word because you believe His Word, and it will begin to change things in the Spirit, and then things in the natural will change too. But notice it's called the sword of the Spirit. It is the one of the main operating tools you're going to need to, to enact change. 
in your life. I mean, I had a friend who was addicted to cigarettes. He had tried all kinds of things. He finally got a hold of the Word of God, and he was still a Christian, and he was addicted to cigarettes. And so he just took the Word of God and said, Thank you, Lord. The Bible said you set me free, and he'd be smoking. I believe I'm free from these. You set me free. He had been addicted his whole life. And he started thanking God, you set me free. And he'd still be smoking. He, thank you, I have strength over this. And his appetite internally changed. And he got the victory over it. And he still doesn't smoke 30-something years later now. He said, I have no craving. That thing changed. But it's got to change internally. It's got to change in the spirit. That's how I got free from drugs. There was a change internally that showed up externally. All changes like that with God. That's why the enemy wants you to yield to the natural so you get numb to the things of God. There's no pleasure there. You can go, you can go out there and play all you want to, but you'll always want to come back, so why go out there? Because it's empty. And what happens is then your influence in the Spirit in helping others goes away because you're out there. We are spiritual, and we can use the sword of the Spirit. 